Okay, now open your Bibles. Open your Bibles. Open your Bibles. Today, I want to talk to you in our First Fruit series. I want to talk to you about First Fruit promises, the promises of the First Fruit. And I'm going to talk a little bit about principles here in a minute. But before I talk about principles, I want to deal with this thing that I want to deal with this thing right up front, just so I'm not coming across as, um, no, I want to come across in a way that it makes sense to you. And in order to do that, I need to, I need to approach this area where there's this misleading, there's a misleading mindset about abundance. Say something to me, y'all. There's a misleading mindset about abundance. And people who have an abundant mindset are even right now under scrutiny, especially in the house of God. That it's flipping right now that the, the, the best Christian is a poor one. You're closer to God if you don't have anything. Not having nothing makes you pray. Now listen to me, people. This stuff is not dumb, but it's stupid. It's, 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 it's not God at all. And so we have to deal with that mindset because, and I don't know, I don't know what happens, but as soon as I became debt-free, I made a lot of enemies I didn't know I had. And I'm like, it's just debt-free. I ain't rich yet. Gonna be, but it's, that's all it is. <laughs> it's like, why would you not want to be debt-free? Do you know how much you can do for your wife, man, if you debt-free? Do you know what you can do for your mom and them? When no one can call you and ask for any money, it just changes your whole life. Anyway, let me give you some scripture, not my opinion. Here's a thought. Poverty is a man-made concept. God did not make this concept. Poverty is a man-made concept. It was made by men. And it was made by men who don't believe there's enough for all of us. So if I can get you to give up what's yours, then I can have it. So I made this, this concept that poverty is from God. Then... I got the preachers to start preaching it in the 16th century. That poverty comes from God. And some of us need to be impoverished. And some of us need to be rich and wealthy. It is a lie from the pit of hell. I'm coming for that. I'm not coming for you. Well, I just believe. No, you are wrong. You are wrong. You are wrong. If you believe you have to be poor to pray. Mm -hmm. Neither the tithe nor the first fruit offering or any other offering, none of those offerings are here so that we can keep the lights on in church. You do not give your offering so we can pay people, build buildings. <laughs> God's financial system is simply here to bring you into his commonwealth. And out of your abundance, out of your measure, out of God totally blessing you, 
then you give a portion of it to the house of God. And whoever's managing it manages what you give. But the real reason we give is so that, man, I got to, I did, I did. I got to go home and visit. I had to go home. You know, you got to look at your parents. You can talk to them on the phone. You can FaceTime them. But you got to go look at them every now and then. So we had to go look at our parents. How you doing? Where are your medication? Well, which ones are you off now? Well, God took me off that one. God took me off that one. How are your bills? Where's the will and the trust? How are you feeling? Let's go meet with your doctor. And I got to sit with Mama Nim and Mama Nim, nieces, nephews, brothers, sisters in their 70s. Our parent, my mom died at 49. My father died at 57, died too young. Now I'm getting to watch our nieces in medical school and, and law school. And it's like this, our whole family, when it looked like our family would do nothing, the blessing of, the, the blessing of God has showed up. Hallelujah. And the same thing is, the same thing can and is happening in your family. But I have my most prized possession in my safety, de- my safety deposit box. My most, pr- my most prized possession is in that box. Thanks for my wife for finding it. And it's a note my pastor wrote to me when I was 15. A note, a little handwritten note he wrote on the back of an envelope. He said, Martin Williams, I love you. You're my number one tither. And I keep that in my safety deposit box. And whenever I get in trouble, I go to the safety deposit box. I'm too scared I'm going to lose it. So I go to the safety deposit box. I tell the young lady I need to get in. She opens the box. It's sitting right there on top. I take it out the top, sit it on the counter. And I said, now, God, I'm your number one tither. There ain't no way. There ain't no way I should not be blessed since I was 10. I would rather give my tithe and my offering than eat. Well, that's you. Well, I'm just talking to you now. Don't get puffed up yet. <laughs> Listen to me. You are blessed, and God wants you to live in the blessing. So here are a couple of scriptures, just so we deal with this. Just so we deal with it. Put them in your notes now. Uh, Psalms 35, 27. Psalms 25, uh, 35, 27. 35, 27. Let God be magnified. Let God be magnified. Let God be magnified. You see it? Let God be magnified. Why? Who has pleasure in the prosperity of his servant? That, that word pleasure means he swells. He swells. When, when you have prosperity, God, he, he swells. He gets big. He gets full of himself. So the opposite of that is that he deflates when you're not full. He deflates when you don't have enough. And prosperity is different for all of us. It looks different. The amounts are different. The everything, it's different from all of us, for all of us. But it just makes a difference where you're at. Psalm, Psalms 115 says, the Lord will increase you more and more, you and your children. The Lord will increase you more and more, even you and your children. You don't have this one either. Psalms 512, God will bless, continually bless you with favor. He'll continually bless. This is God. He will continue to bless you in favor. Listen, anything God's done in your life, he want to do something else. Can I say it? He wants to do, I've been talking like this for a week, so it'll give me a little bit to get it out. But he, he wants to bless you so much, so much, so much, so much, so much. That what he's done already, he wants to do some more. 
he wants to do some more. So don't, so don't, so don't really give up on that. Make sense? Now, here are a couple of New Testament ones, because I know you're looking for some. Uh, that's Old Testament. Okay. Uh, uh, the third John 2. Give me some New Testament, preacher. Okay, here's some. Uh, third, John, third John 2. Third John 2. Beloved, I pray, read it, that you may in all things and just as your God wants you to have a lot of good health and a lot of good money. He wants you to have health so that you can enjoy your wealth. Well, I just think, I just, I just want to say something, Pastor. I just want to say something. I'm not, I'm not, tarah. I'm not real big on money. You talk about money a lot. I'm not, you know, I have enough money. I, you know, it's just enough money. I don't need money. We shouldn't be talking about money. I said, we can settle this. Change the account of your direct deposit to my account. Oh, no, I can't do that. Why? Why can't you do that? Well, I need the money to feed. Exactly. Just don't get mad at me that my level of need is bigger than yours. If you're good where you're at, it's none of my business. But don't try to make me be where you're at. And don't let anybody try to make you be where they're at. They will need you one day and you'll be able to write the check. You need another New Testament one, don't you? I know. 2 Corinthians 8. Second Corinthians 8 and 9. This is in your Bible. Paul got a revelation of it. He got a revelation of it. We should. We should get a revelation of this. So just in case your mind goes tilt, your mind will only hear your voice. Your mind can't hear my voice unless you decide. You can block me out and say, eh. but whatever you say, your mind will hear. So I want you to read it out loud. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his... Now ask your neighbor, what you going to do with that? Come on now, come on, come on. What you going to do with this? What are you going to do? What are you going to do with this? Ask your other neighbor, what you going to do with this child? If part of his suffering on the cross, if part of his dying, and if part of his resurrection was that you would be rich. Now, this word rich is not your modern-day American word rich. The modern-day American word rich is that you have so much you can treat, anybody the, treat everybody the way you like. It's just having so much that you don't even need to think. It's having so much that you become ridiculous. That's not what this is. This is wealth. Wealth is when it's not just money. Wealth is peace. Wealth is health. Wealth is your families together. Wealth is having what you need to do. If you see a problem, you can do something with it. Wealth is when you can go to your house and go to sleep. And not be harassed by anybody. Shunday, Shunday, to just be in your house with your people at peace. 
He died so that you could be wealthy. You could live in a commonwealth. That's part of the redemptive work of Jesus on the cross. Shoot, drop the mic, go home. That, 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 Jesus died to save you from your sins and take you to heaven. Look here. Look here. Can you drive a paid-for car in heaven? Then why do you want to go there? Can you live in a debt-free house in heaven? People say, yes, I can. It says that there are many mansions in, mansions in heaven. That ain't no houses. You ain't going to have no body. You're not going to need to eat or sleep. What you going to need with a house? You ain't need no bed. You're not going to need no food. You're not going to need none of that. What you going to be doing up in a house? You're not going to need your spirit. You blowing around. What you going to be doing? You don't need no house up there. Your children ain't going to be playing no soccer up there. I did do that. I did, Terry. I, well, I you're going to be the wind. You're not, you're not going to be able to have no substance. You ain't going to lay on no bed for what? You, what, what you going to do? You're not going to eat. I mean, living it here, earth, is the place of your dominion. So, did we deal with that? So now there are principles. I'm going to get to some promises here in just a moment. There are some principles. I want you to go to Deuteronomy. I want to talk to you about the principle just for a minute. Deuteronomy 8, 17. Deuteronomy 8, 8, 17, 18. It's, it's, it's actually the, the next five, six, seven verses. You can study it on, on your own. But in Deuteronomy 8, it says, then you say in your, let, let's, let's, go up to the, uh, let's go up to the 16th verse. Ooh, yeah. Let's go up to the 15th verse. <laughs> Sorry, y'all. Man. Let's just go to the 18th verse, because that will get stuck there. That's all about God bringing you out of the life you were in into the life you have now. Then he says, read it with me. And you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant, which he swore to your fathers. This is written not from right to left, uh, 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 from left to right, but from right to left. So it's actually the bottom of this scripture that you start with, that there is something that's happening today that was sworn to your fathers, and it was his covenant, God's covenant. He establishes his covenant by giving you the power to get wealth. So remember me. Do it in your mind. Just go through the scripture right now. Do it in your mind and see what God is saying. There's something that's established right now this day. And it was sworn to your fathers. He swore to your fathers what? His covenant. He wants to establish his covenant by giving you wealth. And now he's giving you power to get it. You see it? So what does he want you to do? It starts with remembering the Lord. <laughs> remembering the Lord. This word remembering the Lord, the word remember is not cognizant. Okay, you, you go to a friend to the store. Can I give you a couple of weird examples? You go to your friend to the store and your friend says, I want to play the lottery. And you say, use my birthday. They say, I don't want to use your birthday. Use my birthday. I feel something. So they use your birthday. They win the lottery. And you say to them, now when you get your check, remember me. 
Are you asking them when they get their check to say, hey, I remember Martin told me to give you this number. Is that what you're saying? What are you saying? You need to remember me. Bring me some of that money you win. <laughs> Write me a check with a lot of zeros. That's what remember means. It's not cognizant. It is give. It's like think of me, but also show that I was part of what you got. That's remember. Remember is the word zakar, Z-A-K-A-R, Z-A-K-A-R, and it means to properly mark as the firstborn or the first male child. And you'll find this in Exodus, you'll find this in Exodus 13 for your notes. Y'all okay? You still taking notes? Wonderful. Say, God, I'm blessed to be wealthy. I'm blessed to be wealthy. Come on, I'm blessed to be wealthy. I'm telling you right now, man, I'm telling you right now, sir, uh, uh, missus, that even if your marriage, I'm telling you, you fuss different when you got some money. <laughs> the arguments change. <laughs> and finally, when people get some real money, they, they've been talking about divorce for a long time. They've been talking about divorce for a long time. Then they get some real money and they say, I'm sleeping on the couch, but I ain't leaving. No, no. I am not leaving <laughs> because, because we have wealth here, and when we divide, we're now going to divide our wealth. That's another story for another day. Exodus 13 and 1, it talks about the firstborn male. We'll read part of it. Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, consecrate to me all of the firstborn Whatever opens the womb among the children of Israel, both man and beast, it is mine. Say, it is mine. God believes the first time you do something, he believes he did it, not you. Your first moment, cognitive moment of the day, God believes he did that, not you. Your first job, God believes he gave it to you. He doesn't believe you got it by your resume. When you get a raise, God thinks he did it. When you get a new contract, God thinks he did it. When your, skill, your children get a scholarship, he believes he did it. When your children win a tournament, God believes he did it. Anything you, anything you do for the first time and it's, it's great, God says, I did that. Now remember me. You don't have to give it all to me, but at least say to me that you know it came from me. Whatever you do, when you get up the first thing in the morning and go to your news feed and go to your social media feed, you're saying to God, I have forgotten you. So you have to say the first thing in the morning when you become cognizant, you have to remember, God woke me up this morning. So the first thing I'm going to do, not going to grab my phone and see who liked my stuff. I'm going to say, God, thank you for another day. Hot a mighty God, I'm up this morning. I am awake. So many people are dead. They woke up dead. Can you wake up dead? No. They, they, they're, 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 they did not wake up this morning. I am awake. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. Brushing your teeth. Breath, I mean, just putting your clothes on. Thank you, God. I am awake. It's a horrible day, but I'm up here. <laughs> your first child. You have no control over your first child. 
You have to give that child to God. And you mess up with the first one if you don't give them to God early. Anything that's first, God believes it's his. He doesn't believe you can do anything without him. So he asks you, just remember me. Remember me. Does that make sense? So we first fruit God. This is the principle. We first fruit him, and if we don't participate in this principle, we're left out of the pattern of what it does. This is what happens. Anytime something is first, God claims that it's his. He sees the first thing as the root that governs the rest of the things. So if I give God part of what I earned in my raise, God says, okay, Martin, you believe I gave you the raise. Now out of what you, now out of what you left, have left, I'm going to bless it. I don't know how people live off of 60%, but I know we do. There are people who live better off the 10% that they get to keep and they give 90 than people who don't give anything. Because you're operating against how God put it together. And when you hold it, God doesn't hold anything. He just says you, the, the, the covenant's not available to you. That's just the way it works. Nod at me now. This right here is good. The first represents the whole. So whatever you use first sets the pattern for the rest. If the first is improperly used, then everything else is unholy. If I have a dollar and I keep a dime and I never get first fruits out of it, even the dollar becomes cursed. My father, my mother died when I was nine and a half. My father died when I was ten and a half. And the next sermon I remember, my pastor was talking about the tithe. So I'm 11, 12, I don't know how old I was, but I had to start working once mom and dad was gone. I remember him talking about the tithe, and he started talking about windows of blessing being open. Shoot, I don't know how, I, how much I was making cutting a yard, you know, $3, $5. And I said, this is not going to get me where I am. But you telling me up there, preacher, that if I give 10 cents out of every dollar to God, that God will open windows of blessing for me, I'll take that deal. <laughs> I will take that deal. So as a little boy, <laughs> I started tithing. Bless his name. We didn't have envelopes. You know, you could, you could go up in my church... <clears throat> And you could, put, you could put a $5 bill in there and get your own change. Now, that's illegal now. <laughs> you can put that $5 in there. My tithe is a dollar. I made $10 this week. And you can count your own change. That's my little bitty church. But I did it because I knew in my heart of hearts that God wanted me to be blessed. Do you know in your heart of hearts that God wants you to be blessed? Okay, so now that's his principle. And God even said once, he said, now, don't bring me a, a lamb that is blind. And don't bring me, uh, don't, don't bring me a donkey... <clears throat> 
that has a broken limb. Blind and broken. Blind and broken. Never bring God a broken offering. Don't bring him an offering that's scratching the bottom of the barrel and you don't pay it, everybody. This thing is broken. It, it has no power to do anything. It's an afterthought. It's not something you plan for. It's an afterthought. Don't bring a blind offering. Don't bring an offering that can't see your future. I, you, okay. If y'all can't tell, I've been warring over this for years. You go to sleep, but those of you who know you're supposed to be blessed, sit up straight. I've been warring over this for a lot of years because, because people have this weird thing when it comes to they think you're talking about money. And they have this weird thing about preachers and money. So I tried. No salary. Still got blessed. I, I, I tried driving a car with rust on it so that nobody would think I was stealing from y'all. Still got cars paid for in cash. I tried to hide my little vacations that I could take my wife and children on with cash. But then somebody would see me and put it on Instagram. I'm not even putting it on Facebook. And the Lord told me, he said, what are you doing? You keep trying to live like people around you are upset without you being wealthy. He said, there are more people in your congregation that just wish you would just come on out. And then show them how to be wealthy. Forget everybody else that don't want to be wealthy, let them go on and do what they got to do. Okay, so as I was saying, the pattern is I am, I'm going to tell you right now, I am committed to your wealthy place. So here's the pattern. Thank you, son. Here's your pattern now. You got the principle? The principle is just first fruit me. You don't have to give me all the plums on your tree. Just give me one. Tell me I made the plums. <laughs> this is between me and you. They ain't between you and no preacher. This ain't between you and nobody on TBN telling you to sin so much. This is not what this is. This is between you and the God of the entire universe. Has nothing to do with anybody else. No one can tell you what to give. This is between you and the Lord. But when I give to him a portion of what he created, he says, oh, I see you. Let me establish my covenant with you. Let me allow whatever your hands touch to be blessed. 
Let me allow open doors for you. Let me, let me double your sales. Somebody in here, let me prophesy. There's a salesman in here that God says, I want to do something in five years. What you make in a year, I want to make that your monthly salary. There's somebody in here. He wants to make it your monthly salary. Y'all can't handle that right. Y'all like, oh, Lord, pastor talking about money. Yes, we're talking about wealth. We're talking about, you can't, you, 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 you can't, you can't, I thought you went to sit down. You can't tell me, you cannot tell me that money doesn't make a difference in your health. In this country, it does. If you don't have any money, you don't get health care. I don't care what they're providing for you. All the pills are going up. Healthcare is going up. And when you at that counter, they're not telling you nothing because you walk it up with a little card that's saying that the government is paying for your health care. But when somebody is really sick and you can walk up, well, we need a heart transplant. Well, we can find a heart, but you need 250000 for your share. Wonderful. Let's do it tomorrow. Don't tell me that that doesn't make a difference if somebody in your house needs a heart transplant and you got the money. If you don't have the money, they are going to. You can't tell me money doesn't make a difference in the car you drive. Do you know they got cars right now? You know, they got cars right now that if your child get distracted and they're following a car too close, that the car will stop itself. You can't tell me that you can buy a $50,000 car for your kid to drive to school in for their health. What? The most unhealthy people in our country are unhealthy because they can't afford good food. And they got to pay money for this junk. This plastic on the counter. You don't have to wear it. You don't have to drive it. But when there's a problem you see in your neighborhood, when there's a problem you see in your, in your family, when there's a problem, when you got a niece that is smart, but her father has no count in her, won't serve her, but she's smart and she'll end up in medical school. She'll either end up in medical school or pregnant with a lot of babies living on the block. Money makes the difference. Girl, go to school. Go to school. Get in the best school. Learn from the best people. And this niece of ours slept at school. Slept with the, I mean, she slept with books in her hand. Now she's getting into medical school. You can't tell me money doesn't make a difference. It makes a difference. And when the blessing, some of you have given up and you're saying, well, the blessings on my life, pastor. But I don't know. I've sort of given up on that part. I work real hard for my money. I prophesy to you that there is a day that your money will work harder than you do. Your money will work harder than you do. And you'll be able to take care of your family. Go places you enjoy. It's the will of the Lord. 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 It's the will of God. Would you grab somebody by the hand and just tell them, don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give up. God has an answer for this. God has an answer for this. 
It's called the blessing. Sit. Let me give you the pattern now. Hallelujah. Watch this now. Let's find the patterns in the Bible. I won't read any scriptures. Just, just the patterns. If first fruit is real, we should find it in our Bible. So the first place we find it is Genesis 3. We've, uh, Genesis 2. With, 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 with the tree. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And the tree of life. We find it. God's stuff. My stuff. God's tree. My tree. I don't eat from his tree. Whenever I eat from his tree, bad things going to happen. You see it? He said, now this is my tree, and I'm going to plant it right outside your bedroom window. <laughs> it's right there near you. The limbs are going to swing over. You'll be able to, I'm not going to hide it from you, but it's my tree. Don't pick from it and eat. Just leave it. I'll give you a tree with everything you need on it. As soon as Adam and Eve pick from that tree, bad things happen. And the same thing happens with us. That's the first thing. The second thing, second thing is Genesis 4. Genesis 4, Cain and Abel. We talk about the, two, the brothers and one brother killed the other. Do you know why he killed him? He killed him over a first fruit offering. One brother brought some grass and some stuff to God. The other one brought... Grass, he brought animals, and he brought the first things. He brought his first crop. He brought his first lamb. He brought his first sheep and gave it to God. And God said, I like that. He's acknowledging that I'm first. So God blessed him. God blessed Abel. Now Cain is upset. And God says to him, why are you upset? All you have to do is do what your brother did, and I'll like you too. Instead of doing what his brother did, he killed him because of a first fruit offering. You still there? Watch this now. I like this one. In Genesis 22 and 1, we have Abraham. Abraham who has how many sons? How many sons did he have? In oh, you don't know. He had one. You don't know. He how, many, how, many, how many sons did Abraham Okay, 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 y'all like, okay, well, he had two. He had Ishmael. How many sons of promise did he have? One. Bible scholars. He had two, pastor. <laughs> he did. <laughs> He's got one son of promise. If the rule of God is true, what must he do? What must he do? He has to give it to God. So God comes to him and he says, Isaac's 30, he says, give him to me, sacrifice him. Abraham says, okay, I understand how this works. Abraham goes to the mountain with fire. Even Isaac said, where's, I see the fire, I see the wood, where's the sacrifice? And, and, and Abraham said, don't worry about it, son, God will provide a lamb. He didn't know he was a lamb. He gets on top of the mountain, he ties him down. Isaac, you're the lamb. He's giving his first child to God. As he's getting ready to cut him with the knife, God says, Abraham, Abraham, don't kill your son. Now I know what's in your heart. Now I know what's in your heart. God doesn't really know what's in your heart when you shout and dance. 
God does not know what's in your heart when you speak in tongues. God, God, only, knows, God only knows what's going on in your heart when you give. God doesn't know I love my wife till I give to her. My words mean nothing until I give, until she gives. Gives that which is impossible, gives in a manner that's all the time inconsistent, gives when I don't deserve to be given to. That's when I know her heart, and that's when God knows your heart, when you give. He says to him, don't kill him. There's a ram in the bush, and now coming out of that is the blessing. Always first. I love this one. I love this one. I love it when Hannah, Hannah was married to Elkanah. She was married to him. And, and, and if, you, if, if you want to look this one up, it's in, it's in 1 Samuel 3. Hannah is with Elkanah, and Elkanah has two wives. One of his wives is having baby after baby after baby. Hannah, whom he loves, is not having any children at all. So Hannah goes to the temple and Eli was in the temple, and Hannah was there in the temple, crying out to God, praying. As a matter of fact, the Bible says she was so delirious that he thought she was drunk. Her lips were stammering, and he couldn't hear anything coming out of her mouth. So he says, you're drunk, go home, you're ashamed for coming to church drunk. Okay. We don't care around here. Come drunk. We know what's going to happen to you when you get here. Okay. You... <laughs> It's fine. The anointing will take care of all that. <laughs> okay? Got no problem with it. Praise God. So he says, You're drunk. she said to him, I'm not drunk. I desire a child so bad that I'm, I'm delirious in my mind. I'm so upset. While she's talking to Eli, she has a thought. And the thought is, if you give me a son... I will bring him back to you. She went back to principle. If you give me a son, when I give birth to him, my womb is closed. But when you give me my first child, I'll give him back to you because I know what will happen. Once I give him back to you, you're going to give me more children. Here's the principle. She leaves the temple. Eli, I mean, her husband, Elkanah, was supposed to be there for a couple days. Once she got a revelation of first fruit, she said, boy, let's go home. Y'all don't get that. Well, I'm supposed to be here worshiping. No, no, no. I have a revelation. We need to go to the house. Because ain't going to be, we don't know nothing about no artificial nothing. We don't know nothing about if we, God gave it, the lady gets pregnant, she has a child, and when he was eight years old, she weaned him and brought him to the temple, gave him to Eli as firstborn. She had five more children. When she gave up the first, Callie was telling me her pastor in Kansas City said to his daughter, they went fishing. She's about five. They went fishing, and he was fishing and catching fish, and he, his daughter wouldn't hold the pole. He says, what's going on? And she was looking into the worms. And she said, I just don't want to put the worms in the water. They'll drown. 
Oh, the worms in the He said, honey, we put the, we sacrifice the worms so that we can catch fish. If we don't give up the worms, we'll have to eat the worms. That little girl started threading them worms on that hook. You do have to give up something to get the benefits that you want. My Aunt Callie said to me, she said to me, she said to me, go out to the pump in the backyard to the well and get some water. I said, yes, ma'am. I go out there and uh, uh, I start pumping it. I'm out there 15 minutes. She, I hear her cackling in the house. She's laughing at me. Laughing, she was just cracking up. I walk in, I'm a little bit heated, right? And I'm like, why are you laughing at me? She said, boy, I sent this out there with you to pour in the pump. I said, this is water. Why would I give up water to get water? She said, it's called priming the pump. You have to put the water in first to build a suction for the water coming out. And if you don't give up the water you're putting in, you won't be able to get the wealth that's in the well. So I'm not just, I don't forget a dime I tithe. Never. I write it down and I go to God for it. I never give up what I give in first fruit of offerings. Never give up on it because that seed never dies. The pump is always primed. Am I making sense? And then my favorite one, we'll put this one on the screen. Romans 8 and 29. So good. So good. Put this one on the screen. I want you to see it for yourself. Read it. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. Come on. That he might be the Jesus was the first fruit. How many... How many, how many sons did God have? One. If he is going to be God, what must he do with his first son? Has to give him. Why is he giving him? He's giving his first son so that he can have many sons. So once he gave one son... It allowed him to have you as a son. Listen, let me tell you something, man. You stop struggling with stuff once you figure out you got a daddy. Okay, okay. Now, now I don't know how y'all going to take this. I'm just going to say it from here. I'm just going to say it right here. I'm not talking about nobody, nothing. I'm apolitical. I don't give a care what's happening. Okay. None of that matters. I'm in the commonwealth. My body may be in the United States, but my spirit's in heaven. Y'all can stay in this mess if you want. I would ask my children when you leave home, who are you? I'd ask them one question. Who are you? I'm a Williams. I would ask them one question, but I would make one statement. 
When you leave my house, you act like you got a daddy. Mm, what did that mean? I'm going to tell you. You ain't scared of nobody. You don't need nothing from nobody. You act like you got somebody praying for you. Act like you got somebody at home. Don't let nobody take advantage of you. Don't cry and ever think you're lacking something. If there's not food in your hand right now, all you got to do is call me. There's going to be food. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Even when I die, my money going to be here for you. What am I saying? I'm saying what God told me at 15. At 15 without a daddy or a mama going to do stuff that I didn't have money for, didn't have help for, didn't have anybody help me. I would walk out of the house and God would say to me, act like you got a daddy. Act like you have a father who cares. Jesus was the firstborn of the sons of God. And so now I have the right to call myself a son of God. You have the same right to call yourself the son of God because God gave up his first and only Son. So if God is a first fruiter, I got to be a first fruiter. (laughs) Can I give you three promises? (laughs) In your Bible, go go to Proverbs 3 and 5. In your Bible. In your Bible. Watch this now. Sit up straight. If if your mind fights it, tell your mind to shut up. We don't care if you look a little schizophrenic in here. It's okay. Say, shut up. (laughs) Now, just be, just just understand, you're you're surrounded by a bunch of psychiatrists, sociologists, and therapists, so they might call somebody, but we're okay here at church. Proverbs 3 and 5. Read it. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean... Don't try to understand this. Don't try to understand this. Don't, don't try to, because you're not going to understand it. Your mind can't wrap around this. Your mind can't wrap around this. Daddy, what kind of person should I marry? Marry a person that you love. Marry a person that you love. And after you marry them, love them. And marry a person that loves God's word. Because ain't nothing worse in your house than to have one blessed person married to a devil sitting in the purple chair. Oh, I'm coming, y'all. Y'all know. You can't. I'm going to tithe, and you telling me I can't tithe, and now I've got to have a separate account so I can tithe? And you away, you won't tithe, but the money's going to gambling or, 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 uh, or uh, tickets to win the lottery or alcohol or God. Y'all, this reefer stuff stinks, but uh, it, it goes somewhere. Weed, reefer. I said weed, wacky tobacco drug. It's legal now. People smoking on sidewalk, and I'm like, what in the world? You need to take a bath. No, that's what they're, that's what they're smoking. Okay. 
Okay, this is really smart of us. You, you can't understand this. <clears throat> and when you're married to someone who doesn't want to understand it, your blessing is blocked. It's leashed up. Next part of the verse. Lord have mercy. What does he say? In Next verse. Do not be wise. Don't be wise in your own eyes. You're not smarter than him. You can't outsmart God. This is what you do, though. It will be held to your flesh, strength to your bones. Next verse. Honor the Lord with your and... This is, this is David, who's very wealthy. He's, he did okay. Honor the Lord with your possessions. Everything you have, believe they belong to him. And with the first fruits of your increase, hear the promises. They're in the word. Read them. Next verse. So your... And... What are barns? Your barn is your storehouse. It's what you put your excess. This is your savings. He says, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bless you. When you first fruit me, I'm going to allow you to save. There won't be, I got $1,000 saved. Now my brakes went out. I got $3,000 saved. Now I got to pay the deductible on a car accident. He says, I'm gonna, because of your first fruit, I'm going to allow you to save. Those are barns. What are vats? Vats for wine. What do you do with wine in vats? Store it, but what do you do it, with it there? When you're storing the wine, what happens? It ferments. It becomes more expensive. Great juice turns to wine. Which is most expensive? Wine. Wine. He says, not only will you be able to save, but I'm going to increase your investments. This is when your wealth works for you. You're going to be able to save, and now you're going to be able to take some of that savings, and you're going to be able to invest it. You're going to put it in your vats. It's going to ferment, and you're going to make even more money with it sitting there. And once you get that number big... You don't work anymore. Y'all tired of me talking about it. You better get happy because I will stay here till one o'clock till that spirit gets right. Look, your your vats are going to have plenty in it. And when you need some money, you just let go of the vat and give your wine to somebody. Pastor talking about drinking. I'm not talking about drinking. I'm talking about making wine. (laughs) There is a difference. Put the scripture back up there. So y'all get it? You're going to be able to save. How many of you, I would, I would just love to be able to save more money. Next verse. With wine, 
Watch this now. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor detest his correction. So if you're not doing first fruit, understand that you need to do it. Let me, let me give you just, just three more. Go to, ex, go, to, go, to, uh, go to Exodus 34, 23. Exodus 34, 23. Watch this. Three times a year, all your men shall appear before the Lord. This is when they were agrarian. Okay. Don't bring Ambassador's Worship Center a, a, a truckload of corn. See, we don't know what to do with no corn. Okay. Take the corn down somewhere. Sell it. <laughs> Bring us the cash. Well, why won't you take my corn? Because we won't be able to manage it. It'll spoil. We don't have corn management capabilities. <laughs> we don't know how to turn corn into cornflakes. Well, why can't I just bring... Because we don't do that around here. Well, you need to obey the word. No, you need to go find a church that does that. We ain't take no corn and no cabbage. No, no, no. Mm-mm. These are the questions I get emailed, people. <laughs> and mad at. People mad at me because I won't take a child's wagon full of groceries. What am I going to do with it? <laughs> Y'all don't. Come on, sweetheart. Let's finish this. Three times a year, all your men shall appear before the Lord, the Lord God of Israel. Watch this now. For I will cast. That's the first root. What's he going to do? I want you to read it. What am I going to do? And next. Come on. In one scripture, he gives you three promises. Do you know what they are? What's the first one? I will cast out the nations before you. What does that mean? Uh, this, this, no, no, no. Come on. Think a little bit. It's okay. We got a couple minutes. What does that mean? I'm going to cast out the nations before you. Anything that's against you, you'll have no competition. I'm going to take away your competition. Now you can be creative and not competitive. You don't have to compete with any shop down the street. You don't have to compete with anything they're doing. You can just stay in your creative mind and just create stuff. You don't have any competition. Your songs, ain't nobody's like your songs. Your, your arrangements of painting and houses and whatever, nobody can do it like you do it. Nobody can write like you do it. Nobody can fill out a tax return like you. Well, you're just filling in boxes. No, I don't just fill in boxes. I do it with style. My boxes are different. <laughs> I have no competition. When you can stop thinking about who's going to steal from you, Who's going to be better than you? 
Who's going to take your money, take your job, take your woman? I mean, no, take, if you can, if you can, if you, the energy you're going to get when you're no longer competitive. When you're no longer thinking about someone else coming into your territory. That creative energy. He says, I'm going to just release you from thinking that anybody can compete with you. Your life changes. What is number two? Enlarge your borders. God says, I'm going to give you more territory. I'm going to expend you. I'm going to give you more. More clientele. More land. More power. More people. More resources. More opportunities. More relationships. I'm just going to, I'm just going to move your borders. I'm going to give you more places to roam. I'm going to expand your mind. I'm going to put you in people's hearts that you don't even think know you. We're sitting on the plane yesterday coming home from New Orleans, and I'm looking down, and all of a sudden, someone snapped, uh, slapped Pastor Dale on the shoulder. Said, girl, how are you doing? It's Pastor uh, Bishop Paul Morton's wife. Just getting on the plane. You know, okay, dare I say it, you know, first class is nice. And the people who sitting up in there, they're like, who are these people? And, and, and uh, so we start talking about the Grammys. We start talking about Paris. She's all over the place. If y'all don't know her, she's amazing. We start talking about the building she's renovating in downtown New Orleans. And she's saying, I need your help. I need your help. Don't forget me. I said, Bishop, you're Bishop Martin's wife. You're Pastor, I mean, you're Pastor Deborah Martin. She says, I need your help. No one's done it like you. I need you to come back in a couple weeks just to sit down with me. I need help. We, we're renovating. I'm meeting with the legislator, the mayor. I meet with all these people. I don't know how to do it. You can show me how to do it. I got four projects I'm doing. And I'm, I'm like sitting there going, yeah, that's so nice. Linnell kicks me. She said, boy, God, trying to open the door for you. I said, oh, I better sit up straight then. <laughs> I better maybe sit up straight. You, some, some of you got a wife that sometimes you blame her for being hard, but there are sometimes she needs to kick you. And, and I woke up, I woke up, I put my phone down, I straightened up and turned toward her. What you need, Pastor? She said, I need you to meet with me and, pa- and, and Bishop Paul Morton. He's retiring, we're doing this, and the city's opening up to us. This real estate and all that stuff you showed me in Omaha, ain't nobody doing it around the world. I need you to come back and help. I said, yes, ma'am, I'll come back and help you. I'll send you my stuff with my fee on it. All right, it's like, it's like, God, you, you just on the plane. You just trying to get home. You just shopping. You just eating breakfast. You just walking down the street. You just minding your own business. You just pushing your child along in the little thing. And then somebody shows up and say, hey, I need you. And God says, I'm just going to expand you. I'm just going to open. You think you're cornered in now. You think you're all boxed in. And God says this offering, boom, it breaks the walls out from around you. 